for me, I think Country Day's greatest element of preparation really came from this sense of curiosity and open-mindedness and this desire to learn about people around me, learn about the world. I know a lot of the classes have turned over, but I even think back to world cultures when I was a freshman and kind of studying India, where I guess my mom is from, or China, where I, you know, had never been at the time and getting to understand how the, you know, different ways people experience the world around us um, have come to be. Welcome to BucksCast Alumni with Drew Whitman. Coach Whitman, as many of his students call him, is head of the football program here at Charlotte Country Day School. He also graduated from Charlotte Country Day in 2006, and now he's the director of alumni relations at the school. Coach Whitman has been described as a person who lives and breathes green and gold as an alum, an educator, and a varsity football coach. Now, here's your host, Drew Whitman. Hey everybody, I'm excited to be here from inside the recording studio at Charlotte Country Day. I'm Drew Whitman, the Director of Alumni Relations and your host for today's program. Today's guest is Mira Clark, a member of the class of 2011. After graduating from Country Day, Mira went on to earn her Bachelor of Science in Management Science and Engineering with focus on entrepreneurship from Stanford University. From there, Mira wasted little time putting together an impressive resume, highlighted by her recognition last year as one of Forbes 30 Under 30 and Business Insider's 55 Investors to Watch. She also serves as Board Director of Stanford's Professionals in Finance. She is currently an early stage investor at Red Point Ventures in San Francisco, California. Thanks for being on campus today, Mira. Thanks so much for having me, Drew. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, back on campus, been a while. Tell us about your time at Country Day and now you've been back bringing back some memories. It has been a blast being back, but let me tell you, the campus looks quite different than it did back in the day. Um, yeah. By way of context, I started at Country Day as a third grader, and so got to experience the glory of both the Cannon and Bissell campuses. And so while I haven't made it down to the Bissell campus quite yet, hopefully at some point in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, the uh, the new farm that we just got in Union County might be a new campus in about 30 years, so be something else to check out. But So <clears throat> as they come back to you, as you're on campus, what are some of your favorite memories? Oh my goodness, so many to go through. Top of the list, though, has to be Spirit Week. Um, we were one of those special grades that won Spirit Week twice, which I think is somewhat unusual. Um, but really, I think Senior Year Spirit Week, for me, was, was a standout. I, as I mentioned kind of this morning, was away my junior year, and so I was at boarding school. And so Senior Year, for me, coming back to Country Day was really coming home. And so coming together with my grade to work on that dance and work on those outlandish decorations was truly a standout terms of my memories here and I talk about it a lot in California people think I'm half crazy when they hear it but it's worth it it's worth it that's awesome well I do have to ask you two things one what was your theme cat and hat and can you still do the dance I still remember sections of that dance and I was in high school I guess as YouTube was a thing but less of a thing and so have looked to try to find our video online with little success but uh yeah it was a good dance I can say that much so congrats now in your professional life congrats on being named Forbes 30 under 30 I mean, that's unbelievable you work for Red, uh, Red Point Ventures tell us about your current position there yeah, so by way of brief background on Redpoint, Redpoint is a venture capital fund that's been around since 1999. And so the funny tagline on Redline, on Redpoint rather is that it was actually the first technology-focused venture capital fund. And so in my role at Redpoint, I focus on investing in early-stage companies. So companies, let's say, 
one to three years, give and take, post-formation. And I look specifically at consumer-facing companies. And so companies in the Redpoint portfolio that fit that bill would be anything from Netflix to Sonos to Nextdoor to more recently a company like Whatnot, um, a marketplace for collectibles. And so really thinking about how can we identify those companies during the earliest phases of their life cycle and then continue to support them, whether it's through helping as a board member, through helping with recruiting, helping with their product pipeline, go to market. And so you can almost think of us as their, you know, right-hand man, right-hand woman, chief of staff, what have you, but really partnering with those founders and CEOs for every step of their journey. That's powerful. I do have to ask at a young age, those decisions and and bringing those type of people to the table for, for pitching to you. What is that like? It's terrifying. It's terrifying and humbling. Uh, and so, so, so much fun. I think what's really special about this role is one, there's this element of being on a treasure hunt of sorts. Cause you're looking for the next big thing or the next, you know, game changing founder one, two, you're getting this peek at the future. You know, we are understanding what founders think the world is going to look like 5, 10, 25 years from now and saying, I believe in you and I want to partner with you in this journey. Um, At the same time, these founders are looking to you for answers. A lot of them have never done it before or they're facing decisions for the first time in their lives. And so they're asking you as that confidant or that trusted source. And so it's a huge responsibility, uh, which obviously comes with both pros and cons because in many ways, you want to have that answer for them, but you also want to be comfortable saying, I don't know, for fear of not steering them wrong. So it's really, you know, treading that, treading that line and, again, trying to be on the right side of it. How are you inspired by the convocation speaker, Mira Clark? Um, she really gave us a good uh, talk about how um, preparing now is going to set you up for the rest of your life, and I thought that was pretty um, good to take into account especially me being a senior going into college, having a lot of things uh, unknown. Um, It's good to plan for the future um, so you don't have to worry about it later. Um, Coming from someone who's like super indecisive about what I want to do in life, I think it was really helpful to hear Mira's journey because she started off going into college like not really knowing and taking classes and other things and she was able to like find her like passion through taking like little classes that like she didn't really initially think that would like contribute to her um, journey. And I think that was really helpful to me because I think I'll be the same way. You're listening to Buffcast Alumni with host Drew Whitney. You just spoke to the entrepreneur class here where some of our alums a little bit a while ago they didn't have that opportunity for that class and it's really cool that we're doing that and you got to talk to them and but hopefully this kind of came up while you're talking to them but how how do you think country day prepared you for what you're doing now for me i think country day's greatest element of preparation really came from this element this sense of curiosity and open-mindedness and this desire to learn about people around me learn around the world I know a lot of the classes have turned over but I even think back to world cultures when I was a freshman and kind of studying India where I guess my mom is from or China where I you know had never been at the time and getting to understand how the you know different ways people experience the world around us um, 
have come to be. And so that has very much defined my journey in terms of understanding why people consume what they consume, what drives those shifts in consumer behavior or what have you, which is, yeah, today what I spend uh, all of my time doing. And it's been it's been a very fun ride. But I think that that sense of curiosity or open mindedness definitely stands out. And I think that focus on community and that sense of belonging so much of my job is very network driven or very people driven and, you know, having the ability or the confidence to go establish relationships with people I'm just meeting um, or kind of learning about their world when it's a world that I feel like is outside of my area of expertise. For me, I feel like that's something that Country Day very much instills in its students, whether it's with, you know, the international programs um, or exchange trips rather, or kind of bringing in various speakers on campus to meet with classes. Awesome. And you said networking and in this job, one of my, one of my, um, hopes for it is to continue to, you know, value connection, which is, is big for me and, and has been for me as an alum, but in the networking capabilities and providing networking for our current students, uh, to meet with alums and alums to meet with alums. And so, why is, you know, in your opinion, why is networking so important and how do we explain, how can we explain to our young kids here now uh, why it's so valuable? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the very easy to understand answer would be how I found my role at Redpoint. And so I joined Redpoint three, four months ago, so fairly recently, but had actually known one of the four managing directors, a woman by the name of Annie Cadaby, for almost three years. And I actually got to know Annie because she was a member of my sorority in college. We did not overlap. She was about 10 years older than me, but I had gone up to her at a conference because she was one of those names that came up again and again as a Stanford Data alumni. And so I began building a relationship with her and we would go to coffee. We were on a couple podcasts together. We would trade notes. And over time, we both came to the conclusion that we really want to work together. How can we make this happen? You know, fast forward to today, and I think about the past month, and Annie said, great, you know, we've built this relationship with one another. How can we extend that network and build deeper relationships with our broader community? And so we hosted a sorority alumni event actually at the Red Point offices on our roof and brought together, you know, class at probably, let's say, 15 years of Stanford Theta's and got to hear what everyone was working on or whatnot. And so who knows, maybe we'll invest in one of them as one of our CEOs one day, or maybe we'll bring another one of them on board to work with us. But I think having the ability not only to access the network that you have, you know, zero degrees or one degrees of separation from, but expanding beyond someone that has, you know, that Buccaneer profile Mm. on their LinkedIn or what have you. I think that's what really speaks to the magic of what you can do with your network. And yeah, and, and doing a cold call and just randomly trying to you know get someone's attention is so hard. And having that little bit of insight really goes a long way. So today in your speech uh, for the seniors, you mentioned belonging over belongings. We thought that was very powerful. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think... Today, as we think about what excites the next generation of investors the most, a lot of it is this idea of conscious capitalism. So how can you marry profit with purpose? How can you do well financially while also doing good for the world around you? And so my first investing job was actually within Morgan Stanley. I was working at the firm's accelerator, investing in women and multicultural founders. And so groups that historically had been you know, drastically underfunded and trying to level the playing field on that front, you know, fast forward to my first job 
on the buy side or in a more traditional venture capital seat, I was at a fund called Obvious Ventures, so mission-driven venture capital fund in B Corp, where every company we invested in um, had this idea of a double bottom line. And so it not only had a financial impact, but it also had a societal impact, whether that was helping um, you know, people establish themselves economically, whether it was setting our planet up for, you know, a more climate-friendly future or what have you. But today, as I think about the sorts of businesses that I'm most excited about, it's not only businesses that I think are going to make Redpoint or our investors billions and billions of dollars. It's really companies that are making the world a better place and creating this world that we want to live in in the future, which is something I fortunately hear so much from Gen Z in terms of where their priorities are and where it really feels like the world is increasingly headed. And today you also got into a little personal story about a decision that your mom made uh, when you were in high school going into your senior year. Um, now that you're, you're so successful, how do you continue this priority that your mom shared with you? Yeah, I think it's something that is a constant, you know, give and take. You know, my mom worked starting when I want to say I was three to five months old. She went back to work. Um, and worked up until my senior year and ended up taking my senior year off. It was the only year she ever took off um, over the course of her career, and it was really, really meaningful because that was the year that she and I became very close as friends. I would say I think like many kids (laughs) early in high school, I didn't necessarily get along with my parents that well, but it was that year of home-cooked meals every night and really you know, getting to ask her about her career or her decisions that really strengthened our relationship and has been kind of the launch pad that we've used over the past 10 years. You know, these days I spent, I guess, four of the past however many years since college living with my parents. I'm currently living three blocks away from um, my mom, and I see her probably every other day, for better or for worse. But it's been kind of this best friend relationship that has kind of stemmed from her investment in me and in our family. Um, as it relates to how I think about decisions, again, maybe not trying to be too transactional and coming back to this idea of network, but I think a lot about the idea that people are more important than anything else around me. And so some of those people might be professional contacts. Some of those people might be my best friends from third grade who I will never work with. And that's great. But being able to really prioritize those life events, those weddings, those conversations when they need you most mm-hmm. um, and being able to slow down enough to be able to notice when those events are needed. To me, that's been huge. And I think something that, sure, your first year is out of school, you're just, you know, doggy paddling, trying to survive out, out in the wild west of the real world. Um, but once you get your feet under you, I think it's something that I now see a lot of my friends coming back to. And that is just so much more fulfilling in terms of how you spend your time um, and what your years end up looking like. Mm, that's good. Uh, um, let's dive into this one. You know, this is a powerful statement. I want you to kind of expand on it. You mentioned it's up to you to cultivate community. Let's hear more about that. That was powerful. Yeah, I think one thing I mentioned this morning was the fact that I think, you know, my network or the people that I'm surrounded by is both the greatest gift and the greatest competitive advantage that I've been able to accumulate over the past decade. And it's something that I've done very deliberately in terms of spending time with people that are different than me, that can teach me a ton, that can, you know, share their networks with me and who I can share my networks with them. I think... It's a regret, candidly, that I've heard from friends that I went to high school with or, you know, friends I grew up with because 
they were complacent and they surrounded themselves with people that they loved dearly but didn't really push themselves. And so I think this really came to a head a couple of years ago with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And I brought, you know, all my friends from high school onto a Zoom call saying, hey, we should talk about this topic. And some of them had said, I've struggled to find, you know, friends that are different skin tone than me. Mira, you're the only non-white friend I really have, which was really mind-boggling for me. I think I was, yes, fortunate to go to Stanford, fortunate to live in New York, where you were surrounded by a ton of diversity, but it was also this investment in people that on the surface seem different or on the surface you seem like you don't have that much in common with. But as you invest more and more and dig deeper and deeper, you find a ton of commonality beneath the surface. Um, And I think those relationships where you feel the investment in both sides in some ways are even richer or more resilient over time because you can feel the work that's gone into them. And so I think a lot about how I can continue to expand and deepen my relationships across different networks or different nodes. Um, Because at the end of the day, you can either be the smartest person in the room and there will be one of those people, or you can be the person that brings the most diverse experience or the most perspectives to the table. And that's something that anyone can do. It's really just doing the work to get out there, to dig deeper, Um, and to soak up uh, the knowledge that's right in front of you. I don't know if we need anything more than that today. Holy cow. Uh, That was incredible. But, again, diving deeper into it, um, you know, as a Country Day community, as in the alumni world, we never want to forget kind of where we've come from, and we always want to continue to have a growth mindset and to what you just mentioned and some of the social unrest that we've gone through. We we always want to be in tune to that. And so how was the Country Day community when you were here? And kind of what advice do you have for our students, knowing what you just said and how powerful those words were? What's some advice for our guys? Yeah. The Country Day community, when I was here, was incredibly supportive and had a very clear sense of culture. And I would say one of the elements that I did not realize at the time as being distinct, but in retrospect was very distinct, was this strong unity across campus and this understanding that we're all a part of one family, one team, working towards a common goal of getting our students to college, making our community better, what have you. Um, Fast forward to the real world, I think one of the biggest challenges for me landing on the trading floor right out of school was realizing that People have different perspectives. Not everyone views women on the trading floor the same as this guy trader that's been there for 20 years. And so kind of experiencing those elements of, you know, negative stereotypes or, you know, gender adversity, racial adversity, what have you, to me, it was a little bit of a surprise because I think my experience at Stanford was very similar to my community at Country Day, which was supportive, safe, um, and really happy. And so my advice for the Country Day community would be to really continue opening those doors for people that look different than you. You know, you might feel at home here, but there might be others that don't. Or maybe it's when you go to college and that person's living down the hall from you or across the room from you, kind of thinking about creating a safe space or a a space, you know, defined by belonging um, for more and more people because it's through, again, kind of, increasing the richness of those ecosystems or the diversity of those ecosystems where you're really going to see a meaningful unlock and kind of exponential opportunity in terms of what's at your fingertips. So that would be my biggest uh, piece of advice for, for seniors. Well, that's perfect. And, you know, this is exactly what I, this podcast should to be about is, is just, you know, valuing the wonderful alums that are bringing back advice that is um, perfect for any generation and, uh, and for, you know, letting, letting us connect back and let people share their stories because they're incredible. Every, you know, 
the time on campus is so short and it's so connected and we want to connect that with where everybody is right now. So uh, Mira, we're so thankful to have you back on campus and for sharing a wonderful day with us. And obviously um, with all that you're doing, congratulations. And uh, we hope to uh, continue to keep up with you. Thanks so much, Drew. My pleasure. Where do you see yourself in 10 to 12 years? So, <laughs> I do want to be a doctor, but I also have like a strong passion for photography. And with that, I like to basically portray or express or showcase the spectrum within different cultures so then like people can understand that there's like there's not just one type of like oh like someone who's black there's only one type of black person or like it's like it's basically to to like try to stop putting people in a bubble mm-hmm. um, I'm a pro athlete playing either in the NBA or overseas There are two things that I feel strongly about, and that's the power of story and the value of connection. Sharing stories and value in the connection that we have as alumni, uh, whether it's alumni with alumni, our former faculty and staff, or uh, our current students. Uh, but the brain is wired for story, and uh, the heart is wired for connection. And I'm excited to uh, share this with everybody and, to, and continue to engage our alumni uh, community uh, near and far. So how can alumni get in touch with you? There are several different ways, but um, the easiest ones is, is either my personal email, drew.whitman at charlottecountryday.org or alumni relations at charlottecountryday.org. Um, those are the two best, and, and you can also find that information on our website. charlottecountryday.org website, and the top right, the alumni tab, you can find anything and everything, including this podcast, there. Thank you so much for all you do for our school and our football program. And that wraps up this edition of Bucks Cast Alumni with your host, Drew Whitman. Till next time, we'll see you around Charlotte Country Day School.